Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, a podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. Tanner, they, them. And today we're talking about some wet puppets. <laughs> today we're talking about freaky stories and rebooting it for a new generation to be terrified by. Just some real slimy, gacky puppets. <laughs> so anyway, for people who don't know what Freaky Stories is, it was a Canadian TV show, um, kind of like a story anthology sort of thing, where you had two animatronic puppets, uh, Larry DeBug, who was a cockroach, and his uh, sidekick, Maurice the Maggot, who was the gooey one. He's a maggot. He's yeah, so slimy. Yeah, Just a real nasty him. boy. Yeah. Real gassy. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Larry and Maurice live in a 40s-style uh, diner, and they tell scary stories that are pretty much based off of urban legends and various other campfire tales that you've probably heard of. It was... Often described as a Twilight Zone for kids. Yeah. Because we sure <laughs> needed that. Uh, you gotta, you gotta scare them at some point. Mm-hmm. So, this is a pretty straightforward, like, let's just reboot it and add more stories. This is gonna be creepypasta for children next, isn't it? Yeah. A bunch of these stories can be found off of, uh, Our No Sleep, and... Other various internet places for creepy stories. Yeah, um, I will. So right off the bat, I will say that if we are doing creepy pasta, we um, as producers, as hypothetical producers of the show, we would have to get permission of the original creators of said creepy pasta. Yes, because it's like a good chunk of it is kind of, sort of, technically public domain, but also like when shows like the Slenderman movie. Or shows like Channel Zero, they start profiting off of that stuff without any credit. That's when it does get kind of iffy. Yeah. Like, there's a, there's a difference between this has lapsed into the public domain and now anyone can do anything with it. And this is something I released so that other people could, like, make permutations of it for fun. And a corporation showed up and decided to turn it into a franchise. Yeah. So, yeah, right off the bat, I'd say that if we would... Give compensation to the people who invented the creepypasta if we're creeping a pasta. Yeah. If we're just straight up remaking Candle Cove. <laughs> you yeah, have to like, go inside! But like, some of these stories, they are public domain as far as people can tell. Nobody knows where it all started. Like, Yeah. Like, the, the original one was essentially all urban legends. Yeah. Which, those are just the modern-day permutation of folktales. Yeah. Let's see. I got a big old list of urban legends on this side of the page. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, did, you, did you check if they've already been done? I did check for the TV show which ones have been done. Okay. But, like, you could always do different iterations of them. And they actually did repeat a couple. Okay. Yeah, just slightly different takes. But, like... I found, let's see, the killer in the backseat's already been done, and we don't have to do a killer for a kid's TV show, but, like, yeah, it's still a freaky thing to think about. 
uh, the Hookman, another real old one. It might actually Mandor be... Hand Hook Car Door. <laughs> which actually might be based on an actual serial killer. You ever heard of the... Uh, oh, it was the Murders in Texarkana back in 1949. Lover's Lane Murders. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Licked Hand, Sewer Alligators, Vanishing Hitchhiker, always a classic. There's various permutations. I've even heard of one version that involves the devil himself. Oh, what a guy. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Licked Hand, though, I'm surprised at how many, like, home invasion ones there are in here. Yeah. Because there's also the, the Choking Doberman, which, do you know that one? Yeah, I've heard of that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, some new ones. Black Eyed Kids. Who are the Black Eyed Kids? Are th- is, that, is that the Kids Bob version of Black Eyed Peas? <laughs> so, they're these weird kids that'll show up and, like, ask if... They could use, like, your phone or enter your house for something. They'll be like, hey, we're lost. But they have, like, these solid black eyes. And if you invite them in, bad stuff happens. I'm not letting a single child inside my home. <laughs> uh, Mr. May I please use your telephone? Like, bro, you're going to call the mothership? Piss off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can thank um, Costa Coast AM for that story. <laughs> Um, oh, if we're going into stuff like that, we should do one about Slipmouth Woman. Yes, I have that on the list. Yes. Yeah. We stand a Slipmouth Woman. What an icon. <laughs> uh, Bunnyman's always a great story. Um, Polybius, have you ever heard of that one? I do not know that one. How do you spell that one? Uh, P-O-L-Y-B-I-U-S. Uh, it was a supposed arcade game that caused kids to get sick, have seizures, and it was believed that it might be linked to MKUltra. Okay. Because one version of the story is that Men in Black would show up to, like, fuck around with it every once in a while and then leave for no reason. This sounds like it's, uh, like it comes out of an episode of Fringe or something. Yeah. It's real weird. Uh, Slender Man's another one. Um, We'd have to do something interesting with yeah. Slender Man, though. Like, it'd have to be a- an original thing that hones pretty close to the, the basics, where he's just spooky man in the photographs. Yeah, so we'd have to do our own version of Slender Man. Um, black dogs are my favorite. Oh, like church dogs? Yeah. Yeah. We'll just do seven different, a whole <laughs> episode full of church dog stories. They're all good boys. <laughs> At least most of the um, time. No, with Slenderman, what I was going to say is that since it's in an animated medium, we could like do a thing where we never actually see Slenderman. Like, his never focus is ever drawn to him. Ooh. But if you rewatch the episode and you look way in the background, you can see him <laughs> way in the background. Yes. But the whole like little segment is just people talking about the Slenderman myth and like saying they can see him in photographs, and then it turns out that it's all a hoax. Yeah. And so, like, it'll be the kind of thing where it ends on, like, well, I guess Slender Man was never real to begin with. But if you actually watch the episode, he's in every frame. <laughs> uh, let's see. What was some other ones? Chupacabra. Um, Spring Hill Jack, who was kind of like a proto-super villain. Yeah, Spring Hill Jack is weird. Yeah. I remember he showed up in the Jackie Chan Adventures. Yeah. And... For one thing, he only spoke in rhyme. For another, he looked like Nannymon from the Digimon show. Okay. <laughs> uh, the 2016 clown sightings. 
Oh, God. Is there a Wikipedia page on those? I think so. Yes, there is. Yes. (laughs) Reports of people disguised as evil clowns in incongruous settings, such as near forests and schools. Yeah. I think one comedian said that a clown is never funny when he shows up on your doorstep at, like, twilight. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Haunted cursed dolls, brown notes, the crying boy painting, uh, Curse the Pharaohs. Uh, Have you ever heard of the Korean elevator game? I feel like I've heard the term, but I don't think I'm familiar with what it is about. So it kind of became well-known following Elisa Lam's death, uh, because some people always, some people took a supernatural angle with her death. It's still unsolved as to how she died. Um, She's the girl who was found in the uh, water tank on the roof of the, it used to be called the Chelsea Hotel, it's something else now, but the Chelsea Hotel is also one of those places that has an evil reputation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Solidly, solidly haunted place. Um, honestly, I think it was either an accident or a murder, and uh, that door to the roof that everybody says, oh no, she couldn't have gone up there because it was locked all the time. It was unlocked at the time. Um, anyway, the Korean elevator game is... You have to go to a building that has more than 10 floors. You get into the elevator, and you have to go up a set of various floors in a certain pattern and supposedly you end up in a parallel world oh i love that yeah it's super creepy because like all the lights are out there's nobody about you're the only one there and apparently in the distance there's like this creepy red cross on the horizon it's almost like evangelion world oh boy (laughs) yeah uh you then have to do the set of floors in reverse to get back to your world but you're you have to like look around and make sure that everything is just as it was when you left to make sure that you are in the right place yeah it's it's weird it almost sounds like a fey thing yeah whoops i slipped and i fell into the fairy world again oh fairies right there because like there's an island off of the coast of saint john's in newfoundland that's supposedly full of fairies and you have to if you want to go through the little woods there you have to carry like bread and some bible verses because otherwise the fairies won't leave you alone so just probably a more original story about someone who they want to go meet the fairies but weird stuff happens to them in the woods and when they think they want to like when they think they find one they kind of chicken out yeah which is probably for the best yeah probably various goat men stories they like to haunt uh bridges uh, check out the episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved where Ryan and Shane go to Texas and Shane might have taunted the devil himself and took the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Any horny boys out here? <laughs> yeah. Um, Just to crib from some urban legends that were submitted to My Favorite Murderer a few times, the dog in the suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of right up there. I have no idea how the show was able to be made. Me neither, but YTV was fucking wild after 6 p.m. It was successfully pitched in 91, but uh, wasn't, like, didn't start development until 94 and didn't air until 97. Mind you, I guess that was kind of the era where people just said, yeah, just throw anything on TV. Yeah, I think uh, the CRTC was so desperate for CanCon, they were kind of rubber stamping everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, to all of our American 
listeners, uh, Canada, especially English Canada, requires a set amount of pure Canadian content to be shown or aired in some capacity. Though the rules have changed considerably since the 90s. Yeah, but the, the basics of it is that you get tax breaks for having more and more Canadians on staff. Um, but they've kind of limited it now than the way it was before. Yeah, it's kind of viewed as untenable, though it has helped our music industry considerably. Yes. So anyway, other highlights I've got. Melonheads uh, cryptid from Illinois because the Midwest is fucking creepy. Isn't, isn't there like a cryptid who's a frog wizard? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I've Googled it now. The Loveland frog. I've got... I've got gates to hell, the devil's chair. There's uh, a cemetery in Ohio that, um, like, there's a hundred steps to get to the top of the stairs. You have to count the entire way and take every step. You get there, you might get a vision of how you're supposed to die, and then you head back down, and you have to count all the stairs along the way. And if you try to get off the stairs, or if you miss a step, you get pushed around by some supernatural force. But if you successfully make it to the bottom, then that means that the vision that you saw at the top of the hill is false. You're not going to die like that. Okay. Yeah, it's weird. The Loveland Frog is also in Loveland, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Sightings have been reported as recently as 2016. Nice. When local Cincinnati TV stations reported that a night of fun turned into a chilling tale of horror when two teenagers playing Pokemon Go <laughs> claimed to see a giant frog near the lake on August 3rd that stood up and walked on his hind legs. <laughs> there was also a sighting of the Loveland Frog where one of them like waved a wand over its head and fired a spray of sparks at lookers that startled them into fleeing the scene. <laughs> I love we gotta it. actually describe some of these tales because you can't just list them off. Not everyone knows them by heart. Yeah. Um, I mean, unless unless you are like me and I'm maybe Lindsay, where it's like you decide 11.30 p.m. is a great time to go looking at freaky stories to read in the dark. Yeah. Not scary stories to read in the dark, which I never read or saw. Yeah, same here. But apparently everyone else did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was fine with watching uh, Haunted Canada at, like, four in the morning. I liked I liked the freaky stories where it was, like, a gross-out one. Okay. I'm more for, Even like, though, the spooky stuff. Yeah, well, I remember one where it was a girl who, she really liked a certain brand of chocolates, and she wanted to find out what their secret ingredient was, so she and her crush broke into the manufacturing plant. Yeah. And they found out the secret ingredient was a swarm of cockroaches that had taken up residence inside the chocolate vat. Oh my god. Uh, what other weird stories have I heard about? Um, you ever heard of the Russian sleep experiment? Oh, I think I did, and I think that one messed me up. Like, I got, yeah. I think I got that in a chain mail. Ooh! Yeah. That's real old school, too. <laughs> yeah. I d okay, I know what I just said, but don't explain that one to me, because I remember it profoundly fucking me up. Yeah, that one, that one's pretty bad. Go, listeners, go look that one up yourself. You have been warned. It is fucked up. I've included the Lavender Town creepypastas that were floating around back in the day. Oh, great. We'd probably have to file some serial numbers off for that one. Oh, yeah. I went. To, I spent too much time in Lavender Town. Now Missing No showed up in real life. He's my friend. 
some uh, numbers filed off version of the Oak Island mystery or like any sort of lost treasure thing, I think would be cool. <laughs> Fucking Oak Island mystery <laughs> episode of freaky stories. Let's the bane of <laughs> the bane of Canada's history channel. How many how many seasons has like the Oak Island Treasure Hunter show gotten? You know what? You see, we've we found a second secret underground reservoir that we theorize is the reason why we have yet to find the treasure. Oh. So bad. <laughs> so bad. It's on season seven. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I remember we had to write, or not write, we had to read a book about Oak Island, but it was like a fictional book because it was set in the past. It was called The Hand of Robin Squires. Okay. And it was about this English kid who gets kidnapped by his uncle and forced to help him search for the Oak Island treasure. Oh, great. It's called The Hand of Robin Squires because he ends up getting his hand cut off in the climax. Oh my god! And then one of the, it was, this was like grade five or grade six. And one of our projects was to make a board game for it. So I made board game Monopoly. Okay. Or Oak Island. Yeah, it was Oak Islandopoly. Great. And instead of go to jail, it was, you got your hand cut off. Yay. (laughs) You only get one more chance with your hands. Um, I just realize there's an entire subgenre of freaky stories that we can get out of like abandoned amusement parks. I'm not sure how much stories you can go with that. It really feels more like that's just Okay. They exist. Yeah. Mind you, like I'm not I'm not ruling it out completely. Yeah. I'm just saying um, Okay, specifically looking for haunted abandoned <laughs> amusement parks. They do exist. There's this one place that's said to be cursed. Hey, what if Maurice and Larry are voiced by Shane and Ryan? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, demons, it's your boy. It's your bugs. (laughs) The Oak Island Money Pit is theorized to contain pirate treasure, Shakespearean manuscripts, the Holy Grail, the Ark of the Covenant. (sighs) I'm not going to go into detail about how... Those last ones are particularly impossible. Jimmy Hoffa is buried on Oak Island. <laughs> That's way more plausible than the fucking Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the Ark of the Covenant is what's killed him. <laughs> and his body was transported there. <laughs> Legendary lumberjacks, not exactly freaky, but like... You get the Dungarvan whooper out of it. It's my favorite Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're just in your lumberjack camp after a, a hard day of work, and then you're work, waking up in the middle of the night by someone fucking screaming. <laughs> none of your buddies. So one other cool thing about the show was that all the animated story segments, most of them were done by completely different animators yeah. and sometimes even different studios. Yeah, I think they had like 20 different styles by the end of it. At least. Yeah. And so that's another cool thing that would be uh, fun to bring in. Yeah. And if if we made this more prestigious than it was before, <laughs> if we make this Jordan Peele's Freaky Stories... <laughs> Get this on Crave... We'd have the capital to, like, on the one hand, we could get a lot of really well-known animators. Yeah. 
On the other hand, it would be a great place for up-and-coming animators to flex their stuff. Yeah. Because, like, these individual stories are, like, maybe ten minutes? Yeah. Five minutes, even. Yeah. You know, I feel like, instead of this showing up on YTV, I mean, it could still show up on YTV, but I feel like it's a lot better made for YouTube. Oh, yeah. Like, have it air, the individual stories air on YouTube, and then on the actual television, that's when we get the Larry and Maurice segments hosting them. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds real cool and a great amount of cross-pollinization of audiences. And and we're still going to completely mess up children oh, yeah. who are looking for stuff on YouTube. <laughs> At the very least, we're messing them up properly instead of with weird shit like Elsa pregnant with Spider-Man's baby. Yeah, parents, please, please turn off the autoplay. Please monitor what your children are watching. If yeah. you're going to scar them, make sure they're scarred by something that is, you know, quality. Yeah. Like... <laughs> at least 90s YTV. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I remember babysitting these two kids one time, and I had to turn off Beauty and the Beast because, well, the Beast is actually kind of scary to a three-year-old. Yeah, at first. Yeah. Like, he warms up, but, like, this is still early on in the movie, so, yeah. I'm like, yeah. fair. <laughs> I remember there was one uh, Freaky Stories short where it was a kid who, like, went to all the neighborhood birthday parties, and there was always the same magician there, and she would do her tricks, and then the kid would basically spoil how she did all of her tricks. Oh. Like, he'd he'd act real cute and charming, and she'd take pity on him, and she'd tell him how he she does something, and then it switched over, like, to the next party, and he'd just, like, tell people how she did the trick, and so... He, she'd get real angry and a lot of kids didn't like her anymore. Yeah. And then at the end, she like had a disappearing bird trick and he couldn't figure it out. And so he asked her how it worked and she's like, oh, I'll show you. And then at the next birthday party, he wasn't there. But the magician, she had this new pet bird that she was using in her tricks. <laughs> and that one freaked me out. And I don't know why, but I think as a child, I had a really specific fear about people getting turned into birds. Okay. Because there is also, there is a Goosebumps book, uh, Be Careful What You Wish For, and it ends with the main character being turned into a bird, but like, so suddenly that she doesn't realize she's a bird, and then she doesn't realize that she's not supposed to be a bird. Oh, yikes, that's, that's pretty scary. Yeah, so maybe maybe that set it off. Yeah. I'm over it now, which is why I was able to write a whole short story about people being turned into birds for a very specific, weird subsection of a fandom. Was it Glee? No, it was not Glee. Do you do you remember Escargot and Citizen and Friends? Yes. And I helped contribute. <laughs> okay, listen. Because this episode has mostly us just been listening urban legends. Let me tell you all about Escargot and Citizen and Friends. <laughs> You don't have to. We all have skeletons in our closet, okay? So a decade ago, when the Nostalgia Critic was a larger figure on the internet and people didn't realize how fucking terrible he was. Yeah. And he had all the other, like, other contributors surrounding him. There was a specific section of the fandom on Tumblr that decided that one of the other associated content creators, Owen Citizen, Kyle Calgren, just stick Escargo in front of his name. Escargo and Citizen. What if we turn Kyle Calgren into a snail? So someone wrote, like, there was a whole RP of Kyle being turned into a snail. Now, was that before the one crossover with Diamanda Hagen? 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so <laughs> basically it started off with a group of us turning. Uh, he's a YouTuber now. So essentially a YouTuber film critic, an RP about him being turned into a snail through forces beyond his control. And then we just expanded to other people being turned into animals. And then it turned into like this weird slice of life thing where they all just like had a garden that they lived in together. Like a like a weird littlest pet shop, except they're all YouTubers. <laughs> I don't know if Tumblr's still this weird. That's a weird question because it I I think it was less weird than that when it kind of imploded on itself. But now that there's only stragglers left, it may have re regressed. Yeah. I, I can't really comment on the state of Tumblr anymore because I go there, like, maybe once every two weeks. <laughs> Tumblr? See, Tumblr... <laughs> Tumblr was a wall. It was a dam that kept the weirdest parts of the internet kind of contained within itself. A very specific kind of weirdness. Like, yeah. you had the 4chan and whatnot stuff. It was, like, it was weird, but it was also, like, bigoted. So, and the, the latter kind of overtook the former. But Tumblr was just bizarre and it all contained itself within itself and then because of the new rules how you couldn't get as weird as you could before even though you kind of still can but a lot of people left in solidarity and i understand that yeah but you can't get the same just mindless stream of weirdness elsewhere you can only still get it at tumblr but now people are trying to recreate it on like twitter and facebook and facebook is just plain unhinged and not in a fun way yeah um i guess the best analogies are Tumblr and back in the day, 4chan, I'm going to say certain parts of Reddit now were like the weird kids at the back of the class. Uh, Twitter is for the kids up at the front of the class who won't fucking shut up. Yes. <laughs> and Facebook is uh, the old folks home. Facebook is the teachers on their breaks. Yeah. No, Facebook's the administration. Yes. <laughs> because at least... Teachers, there's a 50% chance that the teachers will care about the kids. The administration probably does not. Yeah. Um, More concerned with posting Minions memes. Our relationships is the teacher's lounge. Instagram <laughs> is the popular kids. Yeah, who actually are at least good at projecting that they have their shit together. Man, if only I could be an Instagram influencer, I'd be, I'd be paid for being hot. Yeah. <laughs> Just every month, wake up, and I get a huge check in the mail, and all I have to do is crib some underwear photos. Yeah. Look at these. Look at the... I love the way that these new underwear are, like, 100% biodegradable, and they just cradle my junk in a perfect way. <sighs> anyway, we were talking about really scary stories. Again, this, this is a lot better if you go onto YouTube and actually, like, go down the holes of the creepy stories and all that. There's yeah. entire YouTube channels dedicated to this sort of stuff, but, like, just imagine a four kids campfire tale sort of stuff. Okay, there's also the, you know, fuck. Uh, this is a different kind of flavor than yeah. Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. And I think, see, the thing is, we brought up a lot of supernatural stuff, but a good chunk of the freaky story stories weren't supernatural. Yeah. There were things that they could technically happen in that there's nothing supernatural going on. Yeah, like the scuba diver that gets uh, sucked up by the uh, water bomber. Yeah, or the woman who, 
like always she never washed her hair and always just kept it shellacked with hairspray and then there were like a spider's nest inside it yeah the which i saw i also saw that one on a like a live action for adults urban legends show yeah but no like i i'm just drawing not like a hard line but kind of a delineation because the supernatural kind of stuff like if you want to talk Haunted amusement parks and church dogs and ghost cats. That kind of stuff would m- more likely show up on an Are You Afraid of the Dark yeah. type show. Which I think that's also getting a revival at some point. I wouldn't be surprised. And I feel like we, we, we've come upon an issue with Freaky Stories is that our our plans for rebooting it is, yeah, let's do it. More. More, please. <laughs> it's such a simple premise, though. Yeah. It's just, yeah, there's... Like, I totally agree with you. Like, we, sh- we should have more. It's just it's hard to get much mileage out of it because there's nothing really to change or fix about it. Yeah. It already worked. <laughs> I guess the big, the big thing to hammer out would be the individual stories and, like, how you would tell them how you would give a new spin to them. Yeah. We could, like, we could just do reversioned versions of stories that have already been told. I mean, like you said earlier, they did do some repeats on similar stories. Yeah. We could do, like, remastered, reanimated versions. That too. Or even just air some of the originals in rotation with the new ones. It'd be like Fantasia. Yeah. <laughs> I think we may have... This might be a shorty, because I feel like we've covered everything we gotta. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Um, unless... Is there anything specific you still want to talk about beyond just listing urban legends? Because if we're just listing urban legends, we'd be here all night, and it would just be the, the audiobook of Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I guess the the best thing would be, like, you know, the whole diversity thing, in which case there's a lot more stuff out there that we could draw from. Oh, shit, yeah. There's probably loads of urban legends in, like, African countries and South American countries. I think I every mean, place has their own urban legend because, like, I came across... But you don't hear about those ones, really. Yeah, like, I had heard one about uh, disappearing cockroaches in post-Soviet states. I mean, hell, I wish. <laughs> I guess. Wait, disappearing as in they left or disappearing as in they're invisible? <laughs> I think disappearing as if, like, nobody's seen them for a long time. They've gone to their home planet. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're not a big fan of La Cucaracha. I am not a fan of most bugs. Okay. I, I respect spiders enough that I will try and get them outside while I'm panicking, but I will still panic. Okay. Um, let me actually do a quick Google, African Urban Legends. See if there's anything there. Because also, the thing is, so like, I, like we said, urban legends kind of evolve out of folklore, and there is a, like, how do I best say this? Because of colonialism, certain religions and folklores and stuff are kind of held at a higher standard than others. Yeah. Because if you talk about a, a Western urban legend, or let's go back further, if you talk about like European folk tales, those are seen as a, like a different superior, quote-unquote superior category than like an African folk tale. Yeah. Because of this idea that it's literature if it comes from Europe, but it's like backwards mysticism if it doesn't. Yeah. And then stuff like if it's coming out of Egypt or coming out of Asia, it gets elevated just because, oh, we've we've decided that you're the worthy sources for these because you have so much knowledge within your culture. And it's like, fuck off. All the cultures have the knowledge. 
Yeah. You just choose not to accept it. Yeah, Egypt gets treated as special because it was fucking old and it didn't really change all that much. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of urban legends that come out of Japan and in South Korea, but I think part of that is due to their very... Apart from Asian fetishism and the weeaboo culture, there's a lot more online stuff going on in those two countries. They're almost more online than us Anglosphere people. Yeah. Okay, so here's one. So I did find one that is just... There's a few videos, but I, I don't want to be watching something while I'm podcasting. But I did find a page from a site called The South African. Uh, looks like it's a newspaper okay. or news site. Uh, and it's got South African creepy urban legends. Ooh. Uh, so let's see. There's Adam's Calendar or Mpumalanga. Uh, if you visit this spot in Mpumalanga, you'll see something quite remarkable. About 70, 75,000 years ago, dwellers on the land created stone formations that look pretty innocuous at first glance. But as we've learned more about the universe, it would seem the designs correspond perfectly with star signs or equinoxes. Huh. Okay, so no, that's not an urban legend. That's literally just a calendar. Yeah. Let's see. What's next? The Pinky Pinky. From Umdelwenguli Obamvu. Um, this one you might remember from your childhood because it spread like wildfire. The Pinky Pinky is an androgynous jarring creature with rose-tinted skin, eyes, and shocking pink hair. It targets girls, particularly those with pink underwear, just to torment them. Usually spotted in schools, the apparition's legend grew as parents used the story to stop their kids from breaking curfew or stopping out too late. If you weren't home by a certain time, the Pinky Pinky would make you their next victim. So that kind of sounds like a South African variation on the Slipmouth Woman from Japan. Yeah. A little bit more specific, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I've looked up some Latin American urban legends, so there's... Um, La Llorona. Yeah, La, La Llorona is a big one. There's the La Malahora, which translates to the evil hour. So I'm guessing... Let's see. Uh, La Malahora is a terrifying apparition which is said to stand at the corner of isolated roads and intersections waiting for lonely travelers. The spirit is usually described as an old woman dressed all in black and will attack the traveler. It is said that if one sees the spirit, that is a death omen and either they or someone they know will die. And I guess it's called the evil hour because she appears at a particular time and night, which corresponds with the whole witching hour idea. That mm -hmm. uh, the hour of three o'clock in the morning is considered the devil's hour. Because it's uh, supposed to be a mockery of the Trinity. And I think within Catholic liturgical, like when they're supposed to do stuff, that's like the only slot of time for a 24 hour period that doesn't have anything required for it. So spirits see it as a free for all. Uh, there's the Duendas, which are elves. So I was going through some stuff for. I mean, Africa is a huge place. Yeah. Obviously, I guess it was a mistake just searching for African urban legends. Yeah. Um, but from what I can gather, a lot of these are, they're falling more in line with the kind of stuff I would put on a Are You Afraid of the Dark type yeah. show. But I, well, actually not necessarily because like a lot of them are essentially cryptids. Yeah. And the like mythical creatures that their beliefs have survived and kind of shifted around so that the definition falls more in line with a cryptid kind of thing. Yeah. And so there can definitely be, like, we can have a lot of episodes about people just, like, ghost hunting or cryptid hunting in the jungles of Zambia and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, like, the original the show also had Sasquatch episodes. And yeah. there's certain uh, cryptids out there that I would almost argue could potentially still exist as real animals. 
in the forests of Somalia, the Degdir is a cannibalistic woman who hunts lost children, haunts the forests. Originally told as a cautionary tale to warn children against wandering too far from home, this story is similar to that of Hansel and Gretel. Degdir is described as having one long ear, which makes hunting easy, and she chases children through the forest and devours them. She especially loves those with no manners and a wide waistline. <laughs> so I think that's another one that could easily be turned into a story. See, the more I go into it, the more I feel like these are a lot of these are almost have a fairy tale quality to them. They, they kind of straddle the line. Yeah. Some of them are more along the lines of urban legends, of course, because some of them literally are, and some of them are more fairy tale. But when you think about it, they all just kind of cross over with each other. Yeah. The, like, the Venn diagram is uh, quite similar to a circle. Yeah. Like, I think urban legends is just like a modern version of a fairy tale. It tends to be a cautionary tale or a way for parents to get kids to come back home early or just to explain something weird that happens. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, every every story began with the phrase, this is a true story, and it happened to a friend of a friend of mine. Yeah. And then every full episode ends with Larry saying, just because they never happened doesn't mean they ain't true. Yeah. and Which is basically what fairy tales be. Yeah. And, like, if you ever hear about stories of alien abductions or just, like, alien encounters, it almost seems like something out of a fairy tale. Because they tend mm-hmm. to be so weird, and they rely on various archetypes. It's super strange. Oh, I totally forgot about Bloody Mary. There's various versions of that story, too. Have you ever seen... You know the com- webcomic XKCD? Yeah. <laughs> There's one where the, um, the, the character, he sets up two mirrors facing each other. <laughs> and then he says Bloody Mary three times, then he just ducks. And like an infinite number of Bloody Marys like jump out at each other and like smack <laughs> <to> each other. <laughs> And then if you hover over it, the alt text is, it's also really fun to say it while looking into your side mirror while driving and then watch as she tries desperately to catch up with you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's all great. It's all super great. I love, I love these stories so much. I want to go camping just to tell them. Oh yeah, that sounds brilliant. I'll stay at home. Glamper. No, I just, I don't want to go on the camping trip with you where you're like, hey, Tanner, want to hear about the creepy woman who lives in these very woods is going to eat your face? <laughs> I wouldn't be that bad. Tell you. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. <laughs> I'll definitely tell you about Bigfoot. You're the kind of person who's going to show up at my house, say Candyman five times into my mirror and then leave. <laughs> I would never do that to you. Candyman is only for my worst enemies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Any hoozle. I think we have reached the end point now. Yeah. So now we'll cut over to a true friendship promo. It happened to a friend of a friend of mine. Hello, you beautiful blood-sucking babes. I'm Sahana. And I'm Kat. And we're the hosts of Summer Twilight Book Club, a podcast where two dumb bitches with social work degrees reread the four horniest books of their teenage years. If you're at all curious about any of the following, this is the podcast for you. Does Bella Swan have a car crash fetish? Yes. I am telling you right now, the answer is yes. Does Stephanie Meyer understand healthy relationship boundaries? Has Bella Swan ever had a secure attachment in her life? How has Twilight impacted the societal and my personal conceptions of romance? Why does Stephanie Meyer owe Sahana and all other brown people reparations? Why is Edward Cullen so into edging? You can find Summer Twilight Book Club at theorangegirls.com or on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you access podcasts to find out. And remember, 
Just because it never happened doesn't mean it isn't a podcast. <laughs> Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found on Twitter at LindsayM476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. And you can also find this very podcast on N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I reboot you first, and they're pronounced FREAKY STORIES! <laughs> And you can find this very podcast on Instagram at not if I reboot you first. It's all one word. The hashtag that we follow is N-I-I-R-Y-F and that is pronounced Boo. Yeah. I, I couldn't think of anything either. Yeah. Maybe I'll just find the sounds of a wet puppet. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> or a just, fart. Just, just slap a wet puppet against the microphone. God. And you can also email us at notifyrebootyoufirst, where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, or your favorite urban legends. You could even ask to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire idea, because we like being surprised. If you'd like to support us more financially, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash notifyrebootyoufirst, where you can get several bonuses, including a weekly shout-out for all of our patrons, including Charlie and Cassidy. Thanks, Charlie and Cassidy. You can also rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, and if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me and I'll try and get us in there. Last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by iAlex, a.k.a. Pachu, and her work can be found on ptchew.com, and our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you have the music of his own for your own. Hey, Tanner. Hey, Lindsay. Do you have a hint for next week? I do. Next week, we're going to get conned by Anne Hathaway. Ah, I know exactly what you're doing. I don't think you do. Maybe I don't. I don't know. I'll elaborate, but not until next week, and not if we reboot you first. Bye.